Well, good morning. Welcome to Catalyst. How are you guys doing this morning? You guys doing awesome? Hey, if you came in here with anything less than a grateful attitude, a grateful, thankful attitude, I'm going to tell you to do what my mom told me to do when I came in with a bad attitude. I'm going to ask you to go out and then come back in with a thankful, grateful attitude because how many of you all have been blessed by God? I, I mean, we, there, we should be lined up simply to give thanks to God. Uh, this week has been incredible. Uh, we had our, our Thanksgiving worship night on Tuesday. If you missed Thanksgiving worship night on Tuesday, you missed it big time. It was incredible, and it was just talking about how gratitude is such an incredible part of the Christian life and how it is in such short supply right now. Um, remember, grateful people are never bitter. Bitter people are never grateful. And then we had Thanksgiving. I hope you had a, a marvelous Thanksgiving. And then my family had a blessing. I am now father of the bride as of yesterday, and my daughter got married. Yes, it was a beautiful ceremony. And uh, so if I fall asleep during the message today, you understand why. I got in about 12.30 this morning um, from the reception and, and cleaning up and everything, but I'm very, very thankful for uh, what the Lord is doing, not only in our church, in our individual families. And today, uh, we're just going to pick up right up in our series in Revelation. Remember, this is the only book of the Bible that God says, if you read it, you'll be blessed. So we're thankful for the book of Revelation. Uh, if you guys are visiting, this is your first time, my name is Dave, I'm one of the pastors here, and I wanna invite you to turn to Revelation chapter 11 through 14, that's where we're gonna be today. Thank you for all of us that are joining us online. And we're gonna pick right up with this. Now, one of the reasons why people dismiss Bible prophecy or talk of Revelation is because of what are called date setters. People that say, well, I looked at the Bible code and it's gonna be January 15th, 2016 when the Lord's going to return, and that date comes and goes. Um, I, I remember the hubbub about Y2K, and like all the kids here are like, Y2K, what's that? That's like, uh, you know, okay, that was the year 2000 that everybody thought nuclear Armageddon was going to happen. There was a guy down the street who covered his entire house with, with plastic wrap and duct tape because he thought that that would save him, you know, I was like... <laughs> Good luck there, buddy, a nuclear holocaust, and you got plastic wrap. That's like when we were kids, you know, you thought there was a monster in the bed, and you hid under the covers, as if a monster big enough to get you couldn't get through covers, you know? But, yeah, anyway. So, uh, but every few years, there's some nut job who comes around and says, this is the day of the Lord's return. It comes and goes, and because of that, it, it always passes. So that combined with the fact that Jesus said, you'll never know the day or the time, people just dismiss the book of Revelation or any Bible prophecy outright. Now, I completely agree. We can never know the date or time. Um, however, I do believe we can know the season. See, I don't know the, I don't know the first day of winter. I, I don't know, but I know the season when the, when the leaves start turning and starts getting colder and the, uh, you know, the, the, the days start growing shorter and, and, you know, and, 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 you know, Louisville loses. You know, that, 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 that happens, and so we know that's wintertime, okay? Uh, and, and so I, I don't know the exact date of the Lord's return, but we can know the season of these things. And see, guys, what we've been talking about the last three weeks is that uh, the, kind of the timeline. Uh, so the tribulation starts with the Antichrist signing a peace treaty with Israel. We talked about that. Then the church is raptured, taken out. If you're a believer in Christ, none of the events of Revelation will happen to you. You'll, you, you will not see it. You'll be taken out of the world. Uh, then the seal judgments happen. We talked about those. Then the trumpet judgments we talked about last week. And now we pick up in Revelation 11, which brings us uh, to the midpoint of the tribulation, seven years of tribulation, okay? So 
the first thing that happens in Revelation 11 is the appearances of what's known as the two witnesses. Here we go, Revelation 11, three through six. And I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1260 days, clothed in sackcloth. They are, they are the, the two olive trees and the two lampstands. They will stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone tries to harm them, fire comes from their mouths and devours their enemies. This is how anyone who wants to harm them must die. They will have the power to shut up the heavens so that it will not rain during the time they are prophesying and they will have the power to turn waters into blood and to strike the earth with every kind of plague as often as they want. So the question is, who are these two guys? The Bible, who are the two witnesses? Well, um, uh, I believe, I, I don't know, but I believe that they are the men Enoch and Elijah. Okay, Enoch, we find him in Genesis chapter 5, verse 24. Enoch walked faithfully with the Lord and with God. He was known because God took him away. God raptured Enoch up to heaven in Genesis chapter 5. The second one is the prophet Elijah. I believe this. 2 Kings 2.11, as they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariots of fire and, uh, and horses appeared and separated the two of them, and Elijah went up to heaven and whirlwind. These are two instances of a rapture happening in the Old Testament. These are men that, that, that walked on earth and God took them. And I believe that these two, the two witnesses are these men that God sends back down and they will begin to preach and they will begin to prophesy and they will begin to preach against the Antichrist. They will testify to the goodness of God for 1260 days, which is about three and a half years. That will bring us to the midpoint of the tribulation. And see, these men never died. And because Jesus said what the Bible says about being appointed once to live and once to die, thereby getting rid of reincarnation, this is their death. Now, they will have the power, it says, to withhold rain from the earth and to send plagues. And this is also uh, another uh, kind of a clue that one of them is Elijah, because in 1 Kings 17.1, Elijah uh, prays and, and it does not rain on Israel except by his command. So anyway, they have a power to bring plagues and to uh, turn the water to blood. So needless to say, they will not be very popular, okay? Imagine if there were two guys in Jerusalem, said that they are, and it's not raining because they are holding it back. Would you like those guys? Probably, probably not. Not gonna be very popular. Okay, they will preach against the Antichrist and call people to the truth right there in the city of Jerusalem. Okay, they will be supernaturally protected by God so that no one can harm them until they are done uh, preaching. Then they will cease preaching. And the Bible says that the Antichrist will kill them in the streets of Jerusalem and their bodies will lay there for three days. The, the world will gloat over them. Uh, they, they will deny them burial, is what it says. And then after three days, they'll be resurrected and raptured into heaven. That's what, that, the, that's what the two witnesses are. They are preaching and, and testifying to God. So that, that is in, in Revelation. That's the first happening in Revelation 11. Okay, so if you want to know who the two witnesses are, you can, you can uh, they may not be Enoch and Elijah, but that's what, I, what I've been able to ascertain from studying the Bible. Second thing we have is that we have the appearance of the false prophet. Okay, now this is where we get the term, the match made in hell. We've got the Antichrist, who is the leader of the one world government, and now we see the introduction of the false prophet. Revelation 13, 11. Then I saw a second beast coming out of the earth. It had two horns like a lamb. It spoke like a dragon. It exercised all the authority of the first beast, which is the Antichrist, and its behalf, and it made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And it performed great signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to the earth in full view of the people. Okay, so who is this? This, the false prophet, is the Antichrist second in command. The, the Antichrist is the leader of the one world government that he's consolidated in the early chapters of Revelation. 
And the false prophet is his second in command. He will be the leader of what will be the one world religion. In the end times, Bible is very specific that there will be a one world religion, all the religions, all the faiths, Christianity, Judaism, Hinduism, Islam, all these will be molded into one faith that will worship the Antichrist. He will be the God figure. Okay, that is where it is. So if you see these, these uh, movements towards universalism, a denial that Jesus Christ is the only way, the, the denial that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, this movement towards universalism where everybody goes to heaven, everybody is saved, everybody, that is what the one world religion will be about. And the false prophet, this beast, will be the leader, the worldwide leader of it. Okay, that's who it is. He will, he will be he, uh, he will be capable of supernatural signs. He will deceive many people because he will be a miracle worker. There will be, uh, he will have abilities and he will have charisma and he will deceive many people into following. They'll, he will lead people away from Christ, lead people away from the church in the end times, it says, because of his deception, because of his abilities, his supernatural abilities. And so the discerning Christian must know any movement away from Jesus Christ, I don't care how, how supernatural, I don't care if, they, care if they can raise people from the dead, I don't care if they can call down fire from heaven, if they do not glorify Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, as the one Son of God, they are false. And the Christians must understand this because this is what the Bible says is coming. This, the, the false prophet will embody the, the last line of Paul's warning to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3. He will have a form of godliness but deny his power. He will, he will say that God is great, but he will deny the power of Jesus Christ. And we see the, the, the world, the church in the world, compromise to lukewarmness and, away from the, and worldliness. It's not a stretch to see a leader like this rise up. It's not a stretch at all. And just as, as like I said, as the Antichrist will be the leader of the one world government, he will be the uh, leader of one world religion. And so I want to ask you all to be observant, not to be fearful, but to be observant of charismatic religious leaders, especially out of the Christian tradition, Protestant or, uh, or Catholicism, uh, that, that say that all religions are the same or try to mold them all together or embrace universal, uh, universalism. Like I said, he will reject the notion that Jesus died for our sins will reject uh, uh, the sovereignty of Christ. So just be observant for that. Then we come to the major thing we're talking about today. After the revelation of the two witnesses and then the revealing of the false prophet, the false prophet will do something that so many people have heard about but very few people understand. We will see the appearance of what is known as the mark of the beast. Revelation 12, 16. This is what the false prophet does. It also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Now, I've had more questions directed towards me since March of 2020 about this than in any other time in my life. I have asked, I've been asked two questions. One, is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast. I've had that repeatedly asked of me. And second is, could I have taken the mark without knowing it? Okay, we're gonna talk about that. So before we go into the answer to those questions, we have to understand, first of all, what the mark is. Okay, the mark of the beast, what is it? 
Well, it is a, a microchip or a tattoo or some type of visible mark on you that allows you to buy and sell. You cannot buy or sell anything. You can't buy groceries, you can't sell anything, you can't have a job without this mark. This is what's been prophesied, okay? Uh, the fact that John could see it visibly makes me think it's not a microchip. It's something visible, it is a mark, uh, kind of akin to what Jews had to wear in the Third Reich, the, the, the yellow armband uh, of uh, the Star of David, identifying them as Jewish. Uh, the, the mark will be something visible. Some people will display it prominently on their foreheads and others will take it on their right hand. Uh, so I'm, I'm thinking that it is more like a tattoo or a barcode. Now we know that totalitarian governments tattoo people, that's what, that's what they did in the Third Reich, that's not a stretch, they would tattoo number on the, on, the, on the concentration camp victims. So that's not a stretch to see. It's not something hid, hidden. It is, not, it's, it is highly visible. And it's the first thing we have to understand. It is not subtle. It is visible. I've also been asked what the significance of the number 666 is. In, in this, the number of the beast is 666. Okay. Well, this is the answer to that. The Jewish number of completion is seven. All right, God created everything in six days, then he rested on the seventh, therefore it was complete. The number seven in, Jewish, in, the, in the Jewish uh, culture was the symbol for God, completeness, wholeness, okay? When, when Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive a brother who sins against me? Up to seven times, he was saying uh, completely. Jesus said not seven times, but 70 times seven. In other words, more and wholly complete. That's what he was saying. Okay, so the earth was created in six days on the seventh. Now, humanity was created on the sixth day. So in other words, the number of the beast, 666, is a reference to humanity being elevated to God status. Okay, it is not the seventh. Seven is God. Six means that humanity will be elevated to God's status. And that is why the beast number is 666, because it is an elevation of the Antichrist to God-like status. That's why the number is 666, just letting you guys know, okay? So, uh, so what is the mark of the beast? The first thing is this. It is an oath of loyalty to the Antichrist. People will pledge undying loyalty to the Antichrist and take the mark, kind of, like, uh, kind of akin to in some prisons where you have to shave your head as a sign of deference to the alpha male in prison. You have to have a visible thing, a visible sign that you are loyal to the death to the Antichrist. There's been concern that some people, uh, you know, could I have been microchipped without knowing it, taking the, the vaccine or, or, or this kind of thing. Um, the, there were people years ago that thought taking a social security number was the mark of the beast because you couldn't get a job or open banking account without it. And there are other people that, like I said, be worried they'll be secretly microchipped and all those things. None of that is true. None of it. Okay, this will be a conscious effort, a conscious decision on the part of the people to take this mark. You cannot be secretly marked of the beast, okay? So just let that go by the wayside. That is not, none of that is true. You will not mistakenly receive the mark or secretly be given the mark in the end times. It'll be a choice that you make. And now, now people will be deceived into taking it. They will be deceived, they'll be pressured, they'll, 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 be, they'll respond to the threat of not being able to buy groceries or work. They'll be deceived by the convenience of it. But no one will wake up one day and realize they've taken the mark of the beast without them knowing. No, it is a conscious loyalty decision. The second thing about it is that without it, you're excluded from the economy. 
You cannot buy or sell. You're denied jobs. You're not, you're not allowed to do anything. Uh, I believe when, after this, there will be mass starvation because there will be a number of people who will not do this and will not take this mark. Uh, Christians won't. Muslims won't. Uh, people who don't take the mark will live in abject poverty. They'll be denied uh, 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 education, be denied health care. Uh, they, they will be starving in streets like rats. And the Antichrist will be perfectly fine with this because he doesn't care. He wants loyalty. All right? The third thing about the mark of the beast is this, is that it must take place in a cashless society. All right? The, the, all the currency must be digital in order for this to take place. See, if, if, I, if I go into a mom and pop store and I have cash, it doesn't matter if I have the mark or not. But if, if, if this is a, a, a tattoo or a barcode where all of your bank account information, this kind of thing, and all currency is digital, then the mark can work. Okay? Uh, it, it must take place in a time when cash is no longer accepted as currency. Now, does anyone know what the percentage of transactions that are cash or check right now. Anybody know that? It's less than 5%. There are people like me, who are Dave Ramsey people, that always pay cash for everything, okay? I'm a rare breed. My kids think I'm crazy. They Venmo and all this kind of stuff, okay? Uh, people my, uh, younger than me, they, they've never even seen a dollar bill, okay? So mo we are definitely moving in the direction towards a cashless society. Um, and so, uh, and this has not been possible until modern times. People that say, well, the, the, the end times could have been any time in history. No, there's no such thing as a cashless society because the technology didn't exist for digital currency. And now they do, okay? So here, the next thing about the mark is this. This is the thing that we have to understand. Once the mark is taken, the person is sentenced to hell without chance of redemption. Once you have taken this, there's no forgiveness. There is no turning back, okay? Revelation 13, 9 through 12. Third angel followed them and said in a loud voice, if anyone worships a beast in its image and receives a mark on their forehead or on their hand, they too will drink the wine of God's fury, which has been poured full strength into the cup of his wrath. They will be tormented with burning sulfur in the presence of the holy angels of the Lamb. The smoke of their torment will rise forever and ever. There will be no rest day or night for those that worship the beast in the image or for anyone who receives the mark in his name. Okay? So anyone takes the mark, you're lost, you're done. Bible says. So this is why we must be discerning. That's why God gave us this to warn us, he, to prepare us for this. So here's the question. I, knowing what the mark of the beast is, the question that I get that I want to answer here, both in person and online, is, is the COVID vaccine the mark of the beast? I've had that question so many times. The answer is no. It is not. It, it, the COVID vaccine is not the mark of the beast for, for several reasons. One, we're not in the tribulation right now. The Antichrist has not been revealed. Um, uh, one third of humanity hasn't died in nuclear war like during the, seal, uh, during the tr trumpet judgments. Uh, two, the mark is a visible mark. Remember, John could see it. It was a mark on the forehead or the right hand. Uh, the third is that it, it is an oath of loyalty to a ruler has not been revealed yet. So the COVID vaccine is not the mark of the beast. And I, I wish that Christians would stop saying that it is because it is unbiblical, it is bad theology. And we need to be wise and we need to be discerning about this. That being said, it is something that we need to be vigilant about. And I'm going to say this. It may get me in trouble. I hope it doesn't. But it, I, I, this has to be said. There's a major difference between the vaccine and a vaccine mandate. 
Okay, huge difference. I'm gonna separate the two because there have been attempts to lump anybody who doesn't like the vaccine with, uh, or doesn't like the vaccine mandate with being an anti-vaxxer. It's not true, all right? I'm, I'm not worried about a vaccine. It's between you and your doctor. It's between you and your doctor, medical professionals, listen to them. But I'm, uh, every time I go to India, you guys, I am pumped full of vaccines. A tetanus shot, I get hep C, I, I get uh, diphtheria, I don't get, I get the vaccines for those, okay? I, I, I make, qualify that, okay? Uh, you name it, typhoid fever, you name it. I, I, I've got more vaccines flowing around inside me just for all the international travel we do. So I'm differentiating between vaccine and vaccine mandate. Remember that one of the themes running through Revelation that we've talked about is that it's like a chess match. We, we don't see it all at once. We see pieces strategically being moved into place, okay? The technology uh, available, the, the, the capability of this, the movement towards a caste society, they're like chess pieces being moved into place for the end times, okay? Uh, um, evil, I've found, in my, my walk with Christ, evil never reveals itself all at once. It reveals itself in manageable, bite-sized stages. Remember that, okay? Think about the sin of adultery. It, you don't, very rarely, does anyone find someone and five minutes later they jump into bed together. That's not how it works. It starts with a look that lingers just a little too long. And then it, uh, it starts, then it becomes a conversation, harmless, very harmless. Then it starts, becomes a flirty text, still very innocent. And then it becomes joking and laughing at things that aren't funny. And then it becomes an after work meeting that, you're, that you have to be at. And then it becomes a small little kiss on the cheek. And then and on and on until all of a sudden you're in full-blown adultery and you're walking and you, you wake up and you realize, what did I do? How did it get to this? Well, it became a little agreement, a little agreement, a little agreement, a little agreement until before you wake up, you've moved from here to here without even realizing it. That is how evil works. That's how addiction works. Addiction starts with a, a, a good time, a good hit, and that's it, and then a little bit more and a little bit more, and as you do more, you get less, less pleasure, so you gotta get more, and soon, you're in full-blown addiction, and you wonder, how did I get here? That's how evil works, you all, and it's no different here. If you make small agreements, you move further than you ever intend to go. I believe that the vaccine mandate is a conditioning to, uh, to the society to accept the mark of the beast. It's not the mark of the beast, it's not. It's the little flirty text. It's the look that lingers a little too long. Innocent, but leading somewhere bad. That's what I believe. Think about it, you all. If we're brought to the point that we as a society agree that without the vaccine you cannot have a job, you cannot go to the grocery store, you cannot receive medical care, you cannot get student loans, etc. How far of a step from that is it to an oath of loyalty to the Antichrist where the same things happen? Very small step. 
Very small step. Living in Kentucky in a relative, relatively red state, for those of you that are joining us online, this is a relatively red state, we aren't seeing much of what's going on in the world. If you look at Australia and Austria, places like that, you see radically different things happening. People are being fired, denied entrance into grocery stores around the world if they don't have the proof of vaccination. Here in America, in Arizona, a woman was denied a life-saving organ transplant because she was not vaccinated. There are members of Congress right now proposing bills that would deny unvaccinated students student loans. If we accept this, if we agree to it, it's simply one more chess piece moved into place. It's only a very small step towards taking the mark because the mark is the same thing. You cannot buy or sell. You cannot participate in the economy. You cannot participate in society without it. You see the conditioning going on. I compare it to the long, slow, slippery road to adultery or to addiction. It's the same thing. The key word about this, the chapters 11 through 14, are this. This is the key word, deception. I want you guys to know, in Revelation 14, 12, John warns us, he says this, this, talking about the mark and talking about this, this is major stuff. He says that this calls for patient endurance on the part of the people of God who keep his commands and remain faithful to Jesus. In other words, in face of all this, John is saying, listen, it's gonna get bad because people that don't take the mark, man, they're gonna have it tough. They're gonna have it rough. They're gonna be excluded from society. They're gonna starve. It'll be so tempting to do this. He says it calls for patient endurance on the part of people because there are people, so many people will be deceived by the, by the Antichrist. Remember 2 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11. Anyone you forgive, I also forgive. And what I have forgiven, if there is anything to forgive, I have forgiven in the sight of the Christ, Christ for your sake. So in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. I want to ask you, church, does that describe us today? Are we unaware of Satan's schemes? Are we easy prey because we don't know the truth? Are we fallen for anything because we simply don't know the scriptures, because we don't know what the Bible says, because we don't know how it ends, and therefore we are naive. John 8, 44, this is what Jesus says about Satan. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. Everything the Antichrist, the false prophet, Satan, says is a lie. Everything. When he lies, he speaks his native language, and he will try to deceive the church. He will try to deceive you and me. That's his work. That's how he, that's how he works. Deception. Remember, people who don't know the truth can be easily deceived. Easily deceived. In order for this to happen, In order for the church to be deceived, in order for people like you and me to be deceived, two things have to happen. One is that Christians must leave their Bibles unread, and second, that pulpits must fall silent about end time stuff. Both things are happening in our society right now. We have more access right now to the word of God than any people at any time in history. You know, I have the entire Bible and so many versions right here on my phone. 
I have Bible reading plans. I, have, I can look up things. I can Google uh, uh, Bible verses. It's unbelievable how much access I, Dave Kibler, in America in 2021, have access to the Word of God. And instead of reading the Word of God, I'm sitting here arguing with strangers and posting pictures of food. We've left our Bibles unread. And therefore, we're prone to deception. Second thing is that pulpits have fallen silent on the issue of Bible prophecy. I would imagine this is the first time a lot of you guys have heard anything like this. If you were part of Catalyst in 2010, then that's the last time I preached a sermon on Revelation. In 2010, that was 11 years ago. And so pulpits have fallen silent about it. So we're ripe for deception. That is why I implore you, you need to be in the word of God. You must know the truth so that you will not be, so that you will not be uh, a prey to, uh, to counterfeiting. Uh, Treasury Department agents are, are, have to spot counterfeit uh, notes all the time. If you know what they do, they train the Treasury agents to spot counterfeit notes. The way they do it, they don't study counterfeits. They study the original bill. They study the $50 bill, the $100 bill. They know it inside and out. They know every bit of it. They study it so thoroughly that even if one thing is off, they would be able to recognize it right then. That's how the treasury trains its agents to spot counterfeits. In the same way, we don't need to be learning about this, uh, you know, the, this false heresy. Or this. We need to be learning the word of God so that we can spot fake immediately. That is what we must do as a church. You know, nothing is more, nothing's more exciting to me as a pastor. When I preach something and someone calls me up and says, I'd like to take you out to lunch, and they open up the word of God and they say, when you, when you uh, preach this, I think you are wrong because this is what the word of God says right here. And I'm like, hallelujah because somebody knew the word of God. Somebody sat down with the word of God and was discerning and found out something that I maybe didn't know or preached wrong and they used the word of God. Not, not well I, I got offended with what you said, no, that doesn't matter. When you bring the word of God and you say this is what the word of God says, I love that because that means someone has been training their minds in the word of God to be discerning and they cannot be deceived. That's what I want for this church. That's what I want for every Christian watching this. We must be wise. What study of Word of God does? It brings you peace. How many of y'all like the uh, Charlie Brown comics? Anybody like Charlie Brown? Okay. There was uh, one when I was a little kid. I remember this one strip, Charlie Brown. And Charlie Brown is uh, it's raining, and it's been raining for days. And Charlie Brown says, man, it's been raining so long, I wonder if the world's gonna flood, we're all gonna die. And Linus walks up and he says, no, in, in Genesis chapter, whatever it is, the, world will, the Lord will never destroy the world again by flood. And Charlie Brown says, thank you, you've taken a lot off my mind. And Linus says, sound theology has a way of doing that. Sound theology has a way of taking fear and anxiety away. We live in a world rife with fear and anxiety. Why? Because they don't have sound theology. 
They don't understand the goodness of God. They don't understand the faithfulness of God. And so what, what the what study of the word of God does, it brings you peace. See, it is wholly inappropriate for God's people to live in fear. As I read Revelation, there are people that get, uh, get fearful because of it. There's some, some crazy stuff in there. But sound theology has a way of allaying those fears. We don't need to live in fear. We need to live in the confidence that our God is greater, that he is stronger, that he can handle everything, and he takes care of his people. Amen? That's what sound theology does. So don't fear the mark of the beast. Don't fear the, the false prophet. Don't fear the antichrist. Don't fear any of that because God is greater. And sound theology has a way of allaying our fears. I'm gonna invite the band to come on back up. God has told us how this all ends. I made a point a couple weeks ago that God created us. Well, first of all, he created the universe. Then he created us. Then he gave us the Old Testament, the Old Testament law, and the prophets to call us back to him. He gave us his only son who lived the perfect life, who died on a cross, was resurrected to take away our sins. Then he gave us the Holy Spirit to live within us. Then he gave us the New Testament to lead us and guide us. And then he told us how it's all going to end. It's, he, he even told us how it all ends. What more do you need as a person to follow after Christ with all your passion, with all your heart and mind? What more do you need? He's done everything we could ask. And if you, that's not enough, then I don't know what you'll need. If there are any people in here who are not believers in Christ today, I'm asking you, what do you need? What more do you need? Because he's given us it all. We will have no excuse before him. And these things are coming, they're in the future. And we can do one of two things. We can collapse in a, a huddling, quivering uh, pile of fear, or we can make sure that our hearts and our souls are right before God right now. The wise person will take option two. The fool will take option one. So I'm asking, if you have never become a Christian today, if you have never accepted Christ, if you have never ever surrendered your life to Jesus Christ and allowed him to cleanse you of all your sin, all of your uh, hate, all of your depression, all of your anxiety, all of everything, if you've never given that to him, I'm gonna ask you to do that today and allow him to give you life to the full, like John 10, 10 says. Thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full, and that is exactly what Jesus does. So if you have never made that commitment, I'm gonna ask you to, do, I'm gonna ask you to go home and think about it and pray about it, and I want you to contact me during the week. I'll, I'll love to sit down and talk with you more about it. This is a big decision, you don't make it quickly. I pray that you will come over to, to the side of truth and that you'll allow Jesus to save your soul for eternity. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I wanna thank you for your word which leads us and guides us and inspires us. And I pray that today, maybe fears have been uh, allayed. Maybe uh, people who were worried about, uh, worried about the mark or whatever, I pray that they will be comforted. Lord, and I pray that people who are comfortable today have, have had their toes stepped on and have had to think about things that they didn't really think about before. And I pray the Lord that your Holy Spirit would, would be like the hound of heaven on them and, and continue to call and continue to pursue, just like you've done with so many in here, especially me. And Lord, I pray that as we lift our hearts in worship to you, as, uh, as, as we stand as a church and as we sing our hearts out to you, 
that you would find our worship acceptable because, Lord, a lot of us can't sing, but, man, do we love you. And I, I pray that you would hear our hearts. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.